You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. All these things, types, shadows, realities are found in Christ. There's a real heavenly tabernacle. And Christ has accomplished things in a heavenly tabernacle, not an earthly tabernacle, because the earthly one is just, verse 9, an illustration. Illustration. The word is an interesting word. It's the word P-A-R-A-B-O-L-E. I bet you'll never guess what English word we get from that word. Parable. The Bible teaches us that the ordinances of the Old Testament were a shadow of things to come. This, of course, is speaking of the law, the feast days, and even the tabernacle design that was meticulously given to Moses for construction in the desert. As Pastor Danny will teach you in his message today, the legal system of Judaism consisted of signs, metaphors, and parables that point to Christ. In his study, you'll gain a better understanding of how Christ is both the fulfillment and the realization of the Old Testament. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 with today's edition of The Living Word. Verse 1, Hebrews chapter 9. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, cherubim angelic beings, overshadowing the atonement cover. Well, we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. Now, you've got to put your mind on today. We've got a lot of verses to read, and it's a lot to think about. Verse 9, this is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They're only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. And we talked a bit about the external things last weekend. Verse 11, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not part of this creation. If you've been with us, you know the earthly tabernacle is but a copy, a type, shadow of a real tabernacle in heaven. Verse 12, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. 
the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer. Uh, that was one of the specific sacrifices they had to make, a red heifer. Sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean. Sanctify them so that they're outwardly clean. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised internal inheritance now that he's died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. The internal inheritance is amazing in itself. That could be a a whole week's worth of messages. (laughs) Everlasting life, going to get a new body, going to live in a world where there's no death, mourning, crying, or pain. You're going to see God face to face. That blows me away. I'm going to see God face to face one day. Verse 16, in the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when somebody has died. So you got an insurance on your life, insurance company, before they're going to write the check, they want to make sure you're dead. Hmm. Never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood, and the blood speaks of death. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. I thank God we're not under that old covenant because I'm, you're talking bloody. There's blood everywhere. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary. There was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself. Wow now to appear for us in God's presence. Get this. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he's appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now, let me get you Catholics' attention just for a minute. And I'm trying to sing a lot to Catholics because there's some other groups of people that believe this too. Ludwig Ott, though, was a theologian for the Catholic Church, leading theologian. A few years ago, he wrote a book on Catholic doctrine, and I'll quote from his book, and here's what he says. The Holy Mass is true, a true and proper sacrifice. It is physical and propitiatory, removing sins and conferring the grace of repentance. What he means by that is, Every time a Catholic goes to Mass, and every time they go and they receive the bread and the wine, they believe that it's actually Christ being sacrificed again. It actually literally becomes his body and literally becomes his blood. I'm not trying to offend Catholics. I just want you to know the truth. And listen, if you are Catholic, you ought to check out the doctrine of your church and find out if it matches up with Scripture. Because you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to think just by going and taking the bread and drinking the the wine or the juice, you know, that that's actually what's saving you, doing that. No, 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 no. What we're learning from the book of Hebrews is 
Nothing external will do you any good. We talked about that last week. All these things, types, shadows, the realities are found in Christ. There's a real heavenly tabernacle. And Christ has accomplished things in a heavenly tabernacle, not an earthly tabernacle, because the earthly one is just, verse 9, an illustration. Illustration. The word is an interesting word. It's the word P-A-R-A-B-O-L-E. I bet you'll never guess what English word we get from that word. Parable. What's a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. This is a parable. Everything about this tabernacle, everything about the old covenant, it's a parable. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, Isaiah chapter 11. You might want to write down these scriptures. You're welcome to turn to it if you'd like. But let me read you Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The branch is referred to many times in the Old Testament, and it refers to the Messiah. So a root from Jesse, we know through the lineage of David, Messiah would come, the branch. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord, literally the spirit of Yahweh, will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Those are seven characteristics of the Spirit of God that will rest on the branch, the Messiah, okay? Those seven characteristics, that's why you read uh, some places and it talks about the seven spirits of God. What it means is the sevenfold characteristic of one spirit, the Spirit of God, and it will rest on Messiah. That's why you have seven branches on this menorah, on this candle stand. And then you have... On the other side, just opposite, and this light is really going directly over toward this table, and this table is where the consecrated bread is. It's otherwise known as the bread of the presence. There's six loaves on one side of the table, six loaves opposite on the other side of the table, and each loaf represents one of the tribes of Israel. Then next, you come to this altar, and here it says this altar was in the holy place, the most holy place, and there's a discrepancy about that, uh, but the Old Covenant seems to say it was right here, but it was very close to that curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place. It's the altar of incense, the altar of incense. Now, let's stop there and think about those three. You got the light, you got the bread, and you got the incense. We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. Pastor Danny will continue his study in the book of Hebrews next time, so we hope you'll join us again. We'd like to take a moment and ask you to consider partnering with us as we continue to share the hope of salvation with the world. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of The Living Word? Pray that God would touch each person with His love and open their hearts to the truth of His Word. Please pray for us also. We want to continue following God's plan for this program no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the Living Word 
This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible, so as not to distract from the message of the Bible. That does incur some costs, however, so if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share the good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website once more is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to an end of our time with you today. We pray that God continues to bless you as you study His Word and open your heart to His unending love and grace. Thanks again for tuning in today to The Living Word.